So if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here. Excited for you all to be with us. Excited to have a baptism today. Um, and so before we get there, oh yeah, there's me and there's our wonderful team of speakers. So um, back on topic. Uh, I want you here to start today to think back uh, to this time of year when you were a kid. Some of you, that's a little farther than others of you, but you can do it. Think about how you felt a week before Christmas. How did you feel? Generally, thank you. Generally, you feel excited. Um, You feel hopeful. You feel um, some anticipation, probably maybe some suspense, um, that something good was going to happen. Or at least something good was possible. Because I realize all of our childhoods look different, and some of them better than others. But you probably looked at Christmas universally as something good is possible. At the very least, you would probably expect to get maybe one good gift or something that you really wanted, and it was going to be pretty cool. Uh, Or maybe for some of you, you thought about or you think about all the food you got to eat, um, and then that food didn't stick with you like it does now. That's pretty nice. Um, You didn't have to buy all the gifts. That's pretty nice. Uh, You just got to show up and open them. At some point, I'm assuming when you were a kid growing up around the holiday season, a week out from Christmas, you had a feeling or a hope that something good was going to happen, that there was going to be joy or celebration or hope. So here's my question for you today. Are you as hopeful, filled with hope, hope hope-filled today as you were back then? Think about it. Were you as hopeful? as you are today? Or as you have gotten older, has your hope increased? Have you gotten more hopeful? Or has the trend since your childhood gone the other direction? Because I'm guessing for most of us, if not all of us, including myself, my hope compared to when I was a child has not exactly gone up. Our hope as we got into adulthood did not increase. In in fact, it did the opposite. It was replaced by things like worry and caution and fear about what was to come. You're looking a week out from today. You don't always feel as hopeful and as joyful as maybe you would as a kid. When things were and possibilities were endless. When as a kid your responsibilities were few and you didn't have the realities and hardships of life weighing on you. And so what happened? Well, I kind of already said it. You grew up, right? You grew up. And when you grew up, you realize that when you eat a lot of food at Christmas, it doesn't all go away, right? And you realize around Christmas, you actually had to spend your own money. And that's not nearly as fun. Unless you get to spend other people's money, then that's kind of enjoyable. But it's not quite as joyful as you grew up. Because as an adult, you started to face something that you you certainly did as a kid, but maybe hopefully less so than you have as an adult, and that is you faced setbacks. There were things that have happened to you as an adult that have made you feel some setbacks, some challenges, maybe the busyness, maybe some family relationships, family members who have passed, that you remember more around the Christmas season or relationships that have passed 
and you remember those around the Christmas season or you uh, feel that spike that I think, you know, tons of surveys have showed over the years, you know, there's loneliness around Christmas. You faced setbacks as you got older, and so that has taught you to not hold out the joy and the hope that you had as a kid. Some of you were uh, present in the situations I'm about to tell you about, um, but for a long time when um, we started the church, uh, we could not meet here in the school for Christmas services. And so we had to find crazy locations around the city to just get by for the one Sunday because we couldn't be in the school building. And so we had found, um, some of you know it, the pavilion over in Coralville. It's next to a nice little lake. And so we had not Christmas Eve services, but we had Christmas Eve Eve services. And I don't know if that's because we couldn't be in the building or what, but we, we couldn't have service on Christmas Eve. So we had Christmas Eve Eve services. And I kid you not, I can't remember the order, but one of the Christmas Eve services that I was really excited for, you know, it's very, it can be very stressful in ministry around the holidays because you have to do all the gift planning and all that stuff that you normally do as a regular human being. But then when you are a pastor, you have to do, I don't know why I quoted that. When you're a pastor, you have to do everything for the church as well. And so it was very stressful trying to make sure we had the songs, make sure we were practiced. How are we even going to set up the room, right? And make sure it actually all works. Make sure we have enough plugins to plug in all the power, all that kind of stuff. And so you go through all this work and then you get to that moment, the anticipation builds, you're hoping that it'll be a great uh, service, a great message. And I kid you not, one of the Sundays, it started to snow an hour before the service started. And it was a downpour. Can you have a downpour of snow? It was a lot of snow and it was heavy and it was really wet and it made the roads really slushy. And so hardly anybody showed up. The band hardly showed up. I think we had one vocalist, maybe we had an instrumentalist. Um, and so it was just, it, it was a letdown. All of this work and planning to have nothing or very little. It Honestly, it felt very Jesus birth-like. We didn't have a place to go. There was no room in the inn and we were trying to make it work. And then the other time, right before Christmas Eve service, Eve Eve service, we had a tornado warning. And that, in December, is special. It just really rings in the holidays. But what do you learn as an adult? You learn those things are going to happen. As a kid, you're like, tornado warning in December? Cool, where's it at? You know, as an adult, you're like, all of this work down the drain. And so what do we do as adults? We do a very adult thing. We minimize our hope so that we minimize our disappointment. Because if you don't hope too much, then you can't be too greatly disappointed when things don't pan out. This is a very adult thing to do. My kids, on the other hand, and I'm guessing your experience as a kid or with your kids or your nephews, your foster kids or, or the kids in your life, they don't do this very well. They just have a lot of hope, and then they are way disappointed when you didn't get the gift that you were supposed to get them, right? But as an adult, we try to protect ourselves, and we know that when setbacks come, if we don't hope too much, then we won't be disappointed. And so what do we do? When a setback happens, we just step back, 
or we sit back. We don't get up, we don't engage, or we just completely remove ourselves from the situation. And that's how we approach a lot of life. We retreat into what we perceive as safety, as a lack of disappointment. But here's my case for you today. In stepping back because of the setbacks in our life, because of sitting back, because of the setbacks in our life, we may minimize the disappointment in life, but we also minimize life itself. We minimize some of the greatest parts of life in the attempt to protect ourselves. Or as a Christian, from a Christian perspective, we minimize the life that God wants for us and has created for us, and we know this because he laid it out and he tried to remind us about it again and again and again for literally millennia. And he lays that out and we try to hold ourselves back from that and we try to minimize it in an attempt to protect ourselves. And it tempts us to hold hope at arm's length from ourselves. Because if we don't hope and we hold hope far away from ourselves, then the hope or the letdown can't hurt us. In other words, we say to life, bah, humbug. And I wouldn't probably think most of you or describe most of you as a Scrooge, but unfortunately as an adult, and I think that's kind of a bit of the point of the whole story, we suck or take the life out of life itself. There was this lady, some of you have heard this story. She wanted to have children, but she couldn't. And she experienced a setback, setback. And nobody likes it when things are taken away from them, right? Because that's something that we feel like we have a right to. And to feel that burden of not being able to have kids weighs heavily on people now as it did back then. And she felt a lot of shame and burden around her inability to have kids. And I understand that because if I were to put myself in her shoes, um, if you've had the gift of having biological children, when you imagine not being able to then see the, the light in kids' eyes around the holidays, around gift-giving time, and the joy that they have celebrating and enjoying the Christmas season. Imagine not being able to have that in your life. Imagine not only not being able to have that, but then seeing other people have that, seeing the joy of other people's kids and knowing that that cannot be you. And some of you don't have to wonder. This is tough. And it is definitely a setback. And what's worse is, and I think this still happens today, what's worse is family and friends, the ones who should be supportive and encouraging during that season, that setback, are sometimes looking down their nose a little bit at those people who can't have their own kids and and thinking to themselves, what's wrong? What are you doing wrong? What could you do better? Instead of loving them in those moments. So for this young lady, or actually at this point in the story, she's not a young lady, it could be understandable to her to feel that bah humbug, that grumpiness, that holding hope at arm's length to prevent herself from being hurt. 
it would be understandable if that's how she responded. So then well past her childbearing years, she got pregnant. And it was amazing. It was good news. It would be good news, right? It would be so good that if, if you couldn't conceive and then you then conceived, you would want to probably tell people about it. That would be a joyful thing. That would be good news to share that her hope had been restored. But this woman, her name was Elizabeth, didn't do that. In fact, in the account of her story that a doctor named Luke wrote down and then they passed it for generation to generation to generation, which then left, of, left us with the book we call Luke, he said, Elizabeth, after realizing she was with, a chi- with child, she was going to have a baby, what did she do in response? For five months, Luke said, five months, she remained in seclusion. What a great thing. And she knew it was a great thing too. That's the wild thing. Like she knew, it even says, um, she said, this is what the Lord has done for me in this time. When he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. That's what she said. And so what did she do in response to that disgrace being removed? She held it at arm's arm's length. For five months, she could have been enjoying and celebrating with herself and others this good news, but she held it at arm's length. She held it at arm's length. Why? Because she didn't want to be disappointed. Because if you've ever lost a child or miscarried a child, do you wait the next time to tell people? Generally, yes because you don't want to hold out too much hope. You don't want to hold out too much joy if things don't go well. And her husband, similar situation. He holds the situation at arm's length, even though he literally was told what was going to happen. His name was Zechariah, and his job was to go into the temple in Jerusalem, which you can go and visit today. It's, it's a ruin right now. Actually, there's a mosque where um, the temple sat. But he would have been in this um, temple place, and he was to go into the temple, and he, was, he drew a straw to be the lucky one to go into the temple to light the incense and to prepare the altar, and it was only him and, and him alone that would get to do this on this very special day. And he goes into the temple... And there an angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. And you, Zechariah, will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So not only have you been barren, you're going to have a child, and on top of that, it's going to bring you great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he, will, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Okay, if an angel, for one, if an angel comes and stands before you and tells you something, usually that's, that's going to happen, okay? And then if he says to you, it's good news, and you have a promise over your child that that child is going to be great, Gosh, that would be good news. I mean, as a parent, you wouldn't have to sit there wondering, how is this going to turn out? Because some of you do that, right? 
I don't know. I don't know. I hope this turns out okay. I don't see where this is going, but Lord, hopefully you do. And he has a guarantee that it's going to be good and that he was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he would turn many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And the spirit and the power of Elijah will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom, to wisdom and make way, uh, prepare a way for the Lord. And Zachariah's response was, you, you're kidding me. How can I know this will happen? I don't know, Zachariah, because there's an angel in the temple of the Lord telling you it's going to be. I don't know how much more you need. But what did he do? He held out hope. He held out hope. And the angel said, okay, if you're going to hold out hope, then I'm not going to let you tell anyone this good news until it comes to pass. So when you realize, Zechariah, that this really is good, you're not going to be able to tell anybody about it. Because obviously you don't really want to believe it in the moment. That to me, my friends, that is such an adult thing to do. A kid, on the other hand, would be like, Mom, Dad, Angel told me good things are going to happen. This is exciting. As an adult, we're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I better hold out hope. Keep it far away from me. God told them good news, and they hid from it, and they minimized it. And as Christians, as adult Christians especially, we do this all the time. We hold out hope, and in so doing, we hold out the life that God has given us. We hold out hope because we know life could get busy, because we know we're going to have setbacks, because we know we're going to have challenges that give us every reason there is to hold out joy and hold goodness at arm's length. But my friends, when you do that, when you hold out hope, you are effectively holding Christmas at arm's length as well. In fact, it makes it really difficult when you hold out hope at arm's length, it makes it really difficult for you to celebrate Christmas for the season and the reason that it is. That there is a God who loves and cares so much, he wanted to be with you. We're going to talk about this more on Christmas Eve, but How meaningful is it to you when someone wants to be with you, to spend time with you, to walk with you, to love you, and to love you even when you don't deserve that love? It means the world. It means a lot. So why would we hold out hope and joy at arm's length? Why why not be present in his presence and let love, his love, fill you and transform you. Let his love be the strength that you need. Well, because we do what all adults do, Christian or not, we let setbacks hold us back. We let setbacks hold us back. And then we give ourselves all the reasons and the excuse in the world to not have hope, right? And they might not even be setbacks that happen to us. They may be setbacks that happen in in the world. And we look at them and we say, those are terrible. And so then how do we respond to that? We say, well, because that's terrible, I'm going to feel terrible. And it limits the life we can have. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? 
Why would we let this story of Christmas, this good news of God loving us that spans for thousands of years, all this is, it isn't magical. It's a story of a father in heaven who loves you that spans thousands and thousands of years, that spans hundreds and hundreds of people holding out hope and God reminding them again and again and again, you can have hope. You can have hope. But it's also a story that encompasses many people who, despite the challenge, step forward. They don't step back. And their life changes drastically for it. Because all Christmas is, all Christmas is, is a small version of the rest of life. That's all it is. Where we have a reason to hope, but we tend to lose it or avoid it. And my hope for you is that you wouldn't. This is a season to remember that despite huge setbacks, God didn't sit back. He didn't set back. He stepped forward. He stepped up into our brokenness, into our need, into our desire to have purpose and direction and value in our life. And he said, I want to give that to you. I want to fill you and love you and transform you. And let my strength be lent to you so you can have the strength you need to get through those challenging setbacks in life. When you fast forward the story just a little bit, an angel comes to this gal, and her name is Mary, and she's younger. And the angel said to her, Mary, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High God will overshadow you. And because of that, a child will be born to you, and he will be holy. And he will be called the Son of the Most High God. And to top that all off, Mary, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has already conceived a son. And she's six months in. You haven't seen her for five because she's been secluded, because she doesn't think what's happening is really happening. Let me tell you, in the six months, it's happening. And she's coming to realize it's happening. And then the angel ends with these words. He says, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And we think to ourselves, well, then God will just fix everything. No, 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 that's not. What he's saying is relationally and in life and by the end of life, I'm just letting you know that all those things that you thought weren't possible, all those setbacks that you have stumbled into or stumbled upon in life, that is not a reason for you to hold out hope. That is not a big enough reason for you not to accept the love of God, to not realize that God has already come to earth to love you, and you don't have to let everything that's currently happened hold you back from what has already happened, the good news that has already happened. When we hold out hope at arm's length, we also hold God at arm's length. When we hold out our hope and we keep ourselves from too much joy, we also hold God at arm's length. He gives joy. He is the maker of joy and love from a Christian perspective. And the only way we find it is when we find and be with him.
Nothing is impossible with God. And we don't need to be held back or hold back something that is so good for us. Today, we get to celebrate a baptism. And that's when someone crosses the line of faith. In other words, they no longer hold God at arm's length. Because that's what so many of us adults do. We tell ourselves we can do it on our own. We're fine on our own. We'll figure out our own self-worth. We'll figure out our own self-value. We'll figure out our purpose in life. We'll navigate the brokenness of this world alone until we realize we just can't, and we don't do a very good job of it. And it's not to make ourselves feel bad, but to recognize that life is meant to, life is better when we are together. When we're together with one another, but even more importantly, when we're together with our Heavenly Father. And to instead of holding God at arm's length, to bring God and embrace God into our heart and into our life. To find a perfectly loving God. When we celebrate a baptism, we're celebrating a decision, a moment that has already happened where someone has experienced new life and new love in him. A life that brings such joy and hope and celebration, no matter the brokenness in our world. And so Lauren, who's getting baptized today, and you'll kind of hear it in her story, her hope has increased. She had a setback. And instead of stepping back or sitting back, she stepped forward into it. And out of that decision, she has found hope. She has found joy. To the extent that sometimes it's difficult to even explain it. There's like a peace and a joy that just passes sometimes our own understanding. And it has brought Lauren so much joy. It has brought her to the place where she doesn't feel the need to fear because she has in her life perfect love. And she gets to share that with you today through her story. So what's going to happen is I'm going to let this little video explain to you baptism, and then it's going to go right into Lauren's story. It's going to explain to you the reason for hope. And then Lauren's going to get baptized, at which point we generally celebrate. So I would invite you to cheer and yell and scream as soon as she comes out of the water. And then we're going to sing a little bit. We're going to talk briefly about what just happened. So here's a video explanation of what baptism is and Lauren's story.
Lauren Starnes and um, I'm from North Liberty, Iowa. When I was younger, I church wasn't a very, I guess, important thing in our household. Well, we claimed to be Christians. We never really went to church that often. It wasn't like an every weekend thing. It was kind of just not prioritized. And um, eventually, I started going to youth group, and it was more for the interaction with other people my age rather than um, going to learn about faith and learn about God. When I got to college, I caught myself kind of scoffing and not being very open to the idea of faith. For some reason, I just still kind of had this attitude like, that's not for me, whatever you have to say doesn't apply to me, um, it's not important in my life right now. I was always working and always running around, so I never chose to prioritize um, going to church or my faith journey on my own either. I started coming to Infuse in February of 23. Um, Shelby had invited me to go with her multiple times and I finally had said yes. Um, and a part of that had to do with my grandpa passing in January. We had such a great relationship that um, I wanted to be close to him and feel close to him still, even though he had passed. Um, so a part of me hoped that if I started going to church and I learned how to talk to God, then I could somehow be closer to my grandpa. It made me sad to think about how I hadn't seen him for a few weeks because it happened in January, so we had seen each other for Christmas, but that was the last time I'd seen him. It was about two weeks after he had passed that we got to the funeral, and it's heartbreaking to look at family members that are sad, and you being sad, but also not knowing where to turn, because some people, you know, when somebody passes, they immediately turn to praying, and I still wasn't at that point of joining um, Shelby or ready to join the church or anything. When I started going to Infuse, it was a couple weeks um, into it, and I was still enjoying it. The environment was great. Everybody's always so welcoming when you go in. The messages that were being shared, um, I felt like they were relevant to my life, and it was easily relatable. The most recent one that was really important to me was the Heaven series, because coming to the realization with that statement of heaven being person and not place, it was like an immediate door had opened. So much anxiety and weight fell off my shoulders and I felt like that was my opening to fully pursuing and fully putting my heart and effort towards my faith. I was able to eventually reach out to Taylor and have a conversation with him about some of the questions that I have about faith and some of the doubts that are always kind of there through the conversation of him kind of explaining to me what the Bible says about heaven and what the Bible says about God. He had said to me, he's like, at some point, maybe you just need to sit or stand or however you want to do it and just say, I'm here, I'm willing, and I'm ready for this. It's been really interesting to see how my life has changed in so many different ways since starting my journey in February. From February to today, I feel like my quality of life has improved. I've been much happier um, and 
there's just so many great things that continue to come out of this and I feel like that is due to me being on this journey and not just because of some circumstance. Um, joining the worship team brings me so much joy. It just makes me feel closer to everybody else that's there getting to worship with everybody at service and the praise that we do um, during the worship portion of the service is really the closest I feel to God. You know, you listen to the lyrics of like what the song Reckless Love, um, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God is the lyric and it's so, there's so much truth to that because it feels overwhelming when I can hear other people singing and I just have my community that's with me. One of the lines in a new song that we're <laughs> singing called Prodigals is, um, there is no fear in perfect love. And I would say that that is a huge statement into taking that first step through the door of faith and pursuing God and um, a relationship with God.
Father, Lord, uh, thank you for Lauren and her story and her faith that she has put in you, that she does not hold you at arm's length, but she has brought you into her heart. And Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us here today who have made that decision already, that we would feel that love, feel that warmth and that peace and that joy and that hope that you bring. And Lord, for all those here today who are still maybe holding you at arm's length because we're not sure what that relationship with you looks like, what we want that relationship with you to be. Or maybe over time we had that relationship, but we have pushed you farther and farther away. Lord, help today be a day that is either a step closer to you or a step to embrace you, to let your love and your hope and your joy fill our hearts and our lives. Lord, help that hope be the thing that fills us this Christmas season so we know that indeed it is good news of great joy that you have come to be with us and you are with us now. Help us walk away from our shame and our guilt, from our fears and our worries and anxieties and walk into the loving arms of our Heavenly Father. Lord, help today be that day where we remember or we step closer to you. In your name I pray, amen. <laughs> 